everyone. Welcome to another episode of What is a Podcast. And we're going to get into it. I don't know how long this episode is going to be, um, but I have a confession to make, and that's quarantine has gotten to me. This whole quarantine thing, I was doing well. I was doing well for a long time in quarantine, but recently over the weekend, it was like a wave of nothingness sort of hit and I wasn't motivated to do anything. I wasn't motivated to make anything or get ahead on anything or work on anything. I really was just like, yo, let me stay where I am and just you know, disintegrate into nothing. And not in like an extremely sad thing. It's just like, oh, I don't need to do anything or I don't have the motivation to do anything right now. And it was a weird feeling because like while I was in it, I didn't like it. I was like, how do I get rid of this feeling? How do I, you know, psych myself up? Like I don't have to do anything and be productive 24 hours a day, right? But how do I just stop myself from laying in bed for most of the day and scroll through Instagram, right? And I think part of it is, and I don't mean to do this to think that I'm better than other people or that I know better or that I am better, but I took quarantine a step further than I needed to, okay? Like when everything was, you know, closing down and they were doing the shelter in place, you can still go for like walks and things, like walks were still allowed. And like, you know, as long as you were safe and six feet apart, all that stuff, you could go on walks. And I like walking. I am a walking man, right? I prefer walking even to driving. Like if I can walk somewhere, if it's like a mile or less, give me, give me the walking. Let me go on my feet. Okay. And I like walking, but I cut that out of my routine. Right. And in before where I would walk and I would run and I would do most of my exercise in the morning, I've sort of shifted my exercise to nighttime and it's probably less exercise than I was getting in regular times because I was just physically moving a lot more when things were regular. But I shifted that to nighttime and doing some like at-home stuff like push-ups, sit-ups, jumping jacks, all that, you know, Cro-Magnon shit that they used to do back in the day. But I I shifted that and I my main reason for that was not that I didn't feel like I could go on a walk, right? I knew I could go on a walk and I could go outside, but I can't control other people. Like I'm like I can make sure that I'm safe, but who's stopping another person who thinks that they're you know, invincible to this invisible virus, what's stopping them from not wearing a mask or flaunting the rules or anything like that, right? So I took it upon myself to not even worry about other people. And I, you know, took quarantine a step further. I didn't go outside in the morning like I usually did, right? I used to go up in the morning, I would walk and I would run and I would, you know, get the fresh air and, you know, have my sort of time and now I don't have that in the same way right like I exercise at night like most days actually like at least like five six days a week um 
the one time that I don't really do it is when I am recording for for this. Um, and I feel like I burn enough calories doing this. I'm standing up as I'm recording and I move around a little bit and I, you know, get a little emotional and I move my arms and stuff. So I feel like I burn enough calories doing this. So the one time that I don't really um, exercise at night is this. But I feel like that's sort of, you know, catching up to me now, right? And even like today is Tuesday, like, and I had a full day of work, and I'm still able to, you know, go to work and all that stuff, right? I'm not, like, completely immobilized, but the wave of nothingness, this sort of quarantine creeping in, and it's like, when are things going to go back to normal? Am I going to do anything ever again? I read on Twitter, so take this with a grain of salt, that normalcy, like what we've expected as normalcy, might not even happen in 2021. That might be 2022. And then it's sort of like, in my brain, like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Like, are we gonna do things again? Are we gonna have to have a complete shutdown? And in my mind, like, I've I've been living like they did in Wuhan, China, right? I have, you know, stayed in my house as completely as possible and i see other people in other places fucking florida and texas like flaunting the rules and then everyone is blowing up sick over there and then it's like yo we could have stayed inside we could have avoided this right like i don't know when the next time we can go to florida is right florida is like the covid capital of the world at this point and when when the by the time we are able to go to Miami safely, like, I might be fucking 55 years old. I don't know, right? And it's just, like, what is going on? And I feel, like, weird that people are rolling back rules. Like, Orange County, California, right? They said, we can go back to school. Kids can go back to school. No masks needed. No social distancing needed. Like, are we fucking ourselves even harder, even though we've seen when we fuck ourselves, the virus spikes? What's not clicking here? It doesn't make sense. And like, I think all of that is getting into my brain that, well, I'm trying so hard, right? Important people with actual decision-making power are sort of saying, fuck it. Like, let's do it. Like, when I read that Orange County is letting schools go back to normal... I was just thinking, okay, Orange County just decided that people are going to die and they're not going to do anything about it. Orange County said, we don't need Orange County anymore. You all, all you motherfuckers can die. That's how I interpreted, like, they're willing to go that far. Maybe that's an extreme interpretation and maybe it's not that way, but it's kind of hard to not think that way when you're letting schools reopen, right? Like, I've worked in schools. How the fuck are you gonna social distance in schools to begin with? Like, forget the Orange County shit, right? Opening up social distance schools is quite literally the dumbest shit I've ever heard, okay? So, think about this. Let's get an example. An elementary school classroom has 30 kids, let's say. Now, social distancing happens, and you can only fit 15 kids in the classroom. Okay, we're on the same page. Where do these other 15 kids go, 
right? If we can only fit half of the kids in the classroom, what do you do with the other half of the kids? You don't have more teachers, right? You didn't hire more teachers. You have the same amount of teachers. You have the same amount of space, but we can only fit less kids in the space. So what happens, right? Do you, where, where do you put all these kids? Do you put them in the cafeteria or you just leave them outside? Like, do you alternate all that stuff? Do you, what do you do? It's ridiculous, right? And I realize that online learning and like Zoom University is a bunch of shit. And I realize that if you're in the higher education world, right, and you're worried about college and master's degrees and shit, right, and you're not used to this online stuff that could even be worse because you know you're paying a lot of money and college is too expensive as is. And most people are not giving like tuition, um, how do I say this? Tuition cuts, right? We're not doing anything like that. So my heart goes out to all those college students, those graduate students, because that seems like a real tough one, right? But it's what we have to do, right? The social distancing at schools makes no sense, particularly in the younger levels, because kids are not going to listen to you 100% of the time, right? Elementary school kids they're just not, right? They're still learning how to be people. And part of learning how to be people is making your own decisions. And a lot of those own decisions are dumb, right? How many times has a nine-year-old made a dumb decision? That's what nine-year-olds do, right? Nine-year-olds are going to pretend to give people the virus. And then eventually, one of these nine-year-olds is going to actually give people the virus, right? It makes no sense. I realize that this homeschool shit is tough for parents and i realize that kids have short attention spans and maybe the quality of education is not the same right but i'm willing to bet that you know sometime with modified education is better than thousands of children dying <laughs> like i think i i don't think i'm being crazy here i don't think i'm being unreasonable to say that we should not have people die right if we can prevent people from dying then i think we did a good job but guess what we are not doing a good job and people is dying so much florida and texas and all these places brazil is not doing great and i think it's worth mentioning that brazil has a president that's basically donald trump um like they have like we have the same guy as president except the brazilian president to my knowledge was not a former reality star that might be the biggest difference and those guys aren't doing well right i live in california and i remember reading earlier this year that california was doing well and then you know the rollbacks happened and guess what we went to shit again and the mass testing didn't work all that stuff right we need to do this if it's not complete right more more complete lockdown shutdown whatever you want to call it and i know governor gavin newsom is trying his best but gavin newsom got kind of played by orange county and orange county seems to be doing whatever they want despite what whatever the governor says right because huntington beach or orange county shit right they were the like a big protest site for like protesting against the virus and then it seemed like 
Gavin Newsom caved, right? And he's like, people are protesting, we'll roll back, right? Now he's not caving, but Orange County is still doing what they want. It makes no sense to me, right? I feel like Gavin has the power to say, look, Orange County, get your shit together and stop letting people get infected. You're looking bad on me right now. Like, I feel like you have the power to do something like that, but maybe it's more complicated than what I think. But anyways, back to me, right? How I started this whole thing, right? All of that stuff is just like in my head culminating in like a weekend of of nothingness. And like a Monday where I woke up fairly early, right? But it was like, oh my God, like getting the motion started in this new routine I have, right? And this sort of indoor lifestyle, the lack of vitamin D, I think is getting to me. And I do try to go outside. I just don't walk outside. Like I'll stay outside my house, but when before I have to work, I'll get a little bit of, you know, sunlight. I'll enjoy it. I'll sort of soak that in, right? And I've been trying to not meditate That's not the right word. It's not meditate. But I've been trying to, you know, take time off of the technology, right? But the way to do that, right, other than like reading books, which I have been doing also, but the way to do that has been sort of closing my eyes and like taking like half naps, half relaxation breaks, right? Because... I can't avoid the technology completely because my job depends on it, right? And then even doing things like this, like recording a podcast episode, like I'm going to use my computer to upload it, right? I'm going to use, you know, my phone to make sure that when it uploads to the apps that it looks okay, right? So all of that stuff is still going to happen, no matter what. And I use my computer for work. And that happens like at least six hours, I'm on the computer every day. So I can't get rid of it, right. So I found that the easiest way to, you know, take some time, like give myself a break from all of that is to actually just nap. (laughs) And I don't know if that's the best way. But it's for sure the easiest like you literally just close your eyes right and i've been doing that twice a day but i just feel like it like all the stuff i've been doing it just it came to a head and i have to sort of push through it and like i don't know exercise my way through it or meditate my way through it or i don't know right but this sort of podcast like that's sort of an exercise in that right in that you have to do what you have to do. Although this isn't, I'm not obligated to do this. Like I could stop doing this at any singular time and never pick it up again. But I'm not going to do that because I like it. And I feel like it gives me a chance to express how I feel and maybe make a joke here or or there, but really just express how I feel. But like, even this is like, okay, Let's do this. Let's get motivated. Let's shake ourselves off and let's go for it. Right. And I've talked for a while on this topic and I didn't even think I could do it. Right. It's just sort of that mental break that you have to get through. Like once you get through it, you know, you can do it because you've done it before. Right. But it's just a sort of mental quarantine haze that I have to sort of defog away. And I'm still 
working on that. And I know I'll get through it because most of this quarantine, like my introverted self, like I've been the quirky introvert that I've always wanted to be. Although I do miss, you know, going out to restaurants and I miss my co-workers and my friends and all that. And I know sometimes it's weird when you say like, I miss my co-workers, right? Because co-workers are most of the time categorically not friends and just people that you hang around. But it's just like nice seeing, you know, a variety of people. And I don't have that variety of people right now. I don't have that rainbow of people. Like I can FaceTime, I can text with my friends and all that stuff, but it's it's not the same, right? And you know, mentally, like linguistically and all that, right? This whole video chatting is by definition, like exhausting, like constant video chatting. We're not made for that, right? We are humans. We are not cyborgs, right? We don't have that computer communication just directly built inside us, right? And we do a whole lot of when we're speaking and communicating, a lot of it is like verbal cues or like physical cues, body languages, like natural rhythms of timing when we're doing the conversation. And if our conversation is disrupted by lag or maybe you're talking to someone and you can't see them or there's just like a two second delay, right? That like extra brain power that takes energy out of you. And we're doing this on a scale that we haven't done before for a lot of us, right? So even like a hundred some odd days in, right? We're still working towards getting used to it, or at least I am, right? And doing this, and I do this fucking six hours a day at least, right? So we're we're going through like this video communication, video call, video call, video call, all that stuff, right? But we're not really built for that. Like, we don't have, you know, cyborg robotic qualities in that same way, right? And honestly, a future where we do have cyborg qualities rather scares me. Um, I know our boy Elon might might be excited about that, but but not this guy. Um, So when it comes to to all that, that's just a bunch of exhausting shit and it gets to you right but i'm i am feeling better on this tuesday night i feel oh i feel more motivated than i did on like saturday right and you don't need to be motivated 100 percent of the time you don't need to be like active and productive and like constantly churning out you know shit right because eventually you're just gonna get tired of your shit and you're gonna just melt into a puddle or something but and you know resting is valuable and i think maybe i need to take a day like maybe like friday or saturday or something i'll just take a day to just not worry so much because even when i wasn't doing anything like over the weekend i was like i need to do stuff i want to do stuff like why can't i get all this good idea juice out of my brain and onto a paper or onto my phone right why can't i think of anything worthwhile right now and maybe i just need a little bit of a soft reset and not really think about like the production like the intellectual production right because i'm the type of person right like i like to if i'm gonna post like something on instagram twitter or whatever like even if it doesn't get a lot of 
traction, like likes or retweets or shares or whatever. I really just care that I like it, right? If I tweet something, I want to for me to like the tweet. Either I think it's funny or I think I made a good point. All that stuff. What really matters is that I like it when I put when I put it out, right? I don't want anything that I think is like hacky or not funny or not interesting on my page. So when I send that stuff out and if I don't like it or if people like retweet and like things that I don't think are funny, like I tweeted something maybe as like a reply to someone and I don't think that's funny, but people seem to get traction on that. That's like, come on, I'm funnier than this, right? I'm better than this. Why are you why are you hyping up this this garbage that I tweeted out in two seconds, right? So I might need to like detach myself from that and just be like, yo, whatever comes from this brain, let's just do it. Just let my brain be a brain. Let's stop trying to force things and just let it let it rest for a second, right? Part of it is also I'm not getting as much sleep as I probably should, right? And again, I think that's because my routine has shifted so much and rather quickly. So I'm not going to bed until like, you know, like 2 a.m. in most days, right? And I probably need to sleep earlier. And I probably need to wake up a little bit later. And I probably need to do a bunch of things a little bit differently. And maybe this soft reset needs to happen up here, upstairs in the brain. Because we're working up here, right? It's not that we're not working up here, right? But there's just, you know, a little bit of like, like a goo that I have to clean out. Like I just got to, you know, take a toothbrush and scrub a little bit. And then we'll be back to the the well oiled machine that we we are supposed to be. Um, But anyway, (laughs) oh my god, 20 minutes about that. Um, If you're if you're still here, um, there's still a couple of other things I want to talk about, but not very much happened this week that I want to talk about that I feel like I can talk a lot about. But one thing that's been on the internet is this trend of fake cakes. So it'd be like an object, like say it's like a television, right? And it'll look like a normal object And then someone will take a knife and reveal that the object is actually made of cake. And they make these like realistic fondant type figures. And it looks not like cake, but it turns out to be cake. And the internet, particularly Twitter, is losing their minds. And I'm losing my mind too over this because I don't know how many fake cake videos I can see. And I like cake right? Like, I'll eat cake a lot of times. I eat cake for breakfast a lot of times, especially when I was in college. Like, I used to buy, like, little chocolate cakes and, like, a yerba mate, and I used to be good to go for hours off of that shit, right? I used to go 8 a.m., cake and yerba mate, and then just go do, like, hours of school and studying and socializing, and then come back, eat pizza, and then do more studying school and socializing like how the fuck did I go from that to what I am now but I used to do a whole lot of cake right I like cake but this is I think it's a sign of the collective lack of vitamin d in our culture but the fake cakes are driving people up the wall 
right? And I was trying to think like why that is, other than the fact that we've been inside and we have no little filter for just yelling at people, right? Just like we have so little tolerance for weird shit now that we're just going balls to wall with any weird shit that we have, right? But I think it's just like, it's like a really like low key version of like horror, I was thinking, right? Because sometimes in horror, right, it's things that you don't expect or like things that like unexpectedly are gross, right? Like people get mutilated and there's blood or like body parts fall off or like faces peel off, something like that, right? And I think this fake cake thing, right, why it's making us jump over the edge is like it's the most pg version of that right where we have a nice little television a nice little object and then all of a sudden we melt its face off and then underneath the melting of the face right it's something that we don't expect it's cake right why are things made of cake how can you make so many things out of cake it doesn't make sense like in our brains and i think this is the brain episode by the way right but since it doesn't make sense i feel like it's just like so unner like just unnerving enough that we just want to yell and denounce it and say fuck this is anything real or is anything fake what's a cake what's not and we're just going to to lose our collective shit over cake right and it sucks because the people who are doing this are actually really talented right if you can make like a bookshelf look like a or become a cake right if you can make a cake look like you know an animal like a realistic animal like you should win awards for that right that should be something that you aspire to be if you want to you know make cake art if you want to be a cake boss type of figure right that's something that you should want to do and people are just going to yell at you about it because it looks weird right but it takes a considerable amount of talent to even try to do something like that so that sucks for them but it's just it's just unnerving right and i don't know when the trend is going to stop or if the trend will ever stop or if eventually we're just all going to be cake right imagine like hell right imagine hell down down below in the earth's core and hell is not too dissimilar from earth right and hell what all that hell is, is that every once in a while, you'll have a random object that you need, and it turns out to be cake. Like, oh, I need to grab the phone. The phone is cake. Oh, I need to, you know, cut some vegetables. The knife is cake. Like, all of a sudden, like, things that you need just, like, on a whim, the devil turns it into cake. Like, imagine that's what hell is. And you're just like, oh, no, oh, no, this is cake. I'm inconvenienced, and I need to find another utensil that is not cake. But now I have to be wary that any random thingamabob might be cake. And you're always on the lookout for, like, fake cakes, right? Imagine, imagine that's hell. I think that would be a pretty scary hell. If that's confirmed hell, right, I think that most people would would believe in some type of higher power in order to, to get rid of any potential of being in hell in that constant p- 
paranoia. And I said most people believing in a higher power, like there aren't billions of religious people. Um, but I, I meant like, like from an Abrahamic point of view, but that might just be a little bit, you know, my my upbringing that makes me biased that way. But overall, right, the cake thing is fucked and it shouldn't be, but it is. And that was just sort of how I was conceptualized. I spent a lot of time thinking about this fake cake shit, right? And a couple of things. One, today, Tuesday, I saw that Blackish is getting another spinoff or potentially another spinoff. And I don't have much to say about this, right? I'm not the Blackish, you know, expert here or the mixed-ish or the grown-ish or anything like that. But in recent memory, has any show gotten more spinoffs than Blackish? Like Blackish is potentially three spinoffs. And then there's like the show Black AF, which I watch a little bit of, where the the creator, Kenya Barris, is basically playing a fictionalized version of himself. So like a fictionalized per- version of the guy who created Blackish. So maybe that even counts as a spinoff. I don't know. But have you ever seen a show in like recent from 2000, right, to 2020 that had three spinoffs, right? How... How successful do you have to consider Kenya Barris, right? The creator of Blackish. Like, whether you like Blackish or not, like, having three spinoffs on one show, like, that is something that is honestly just incredible to think about, right? Like, spinoff after spinoff after spinoff and being successful, like, I haven't really watched Grownish or Mixedish and I haven't seen every episode of every Blackish, right? But, Having that, like, mainstream success and, like, parlaying it into multiple checks, right? Because each show, right, that's a check, right? And if you're on multiple shows as an actor, that's another check, a multiple streams of income. And just having all of that, that is, regardless of how you feel about the series, right? Because not everyone is going to like everything, right? just incredible right it was just something to think about and lastly cancel culture and i've talked about cancel culture a lot on this podcast right and i think i've made my position pretty clear most of the time but when it comes to cancel culture now it's gotten to the higher ups it's gotten to like celebrities it's gotten after academics it's gone after these sort of higher up places where we didn't really think it was going to go. Um, and I'm speaking this from a linguistics point of view, because um, if you don't know, there's a linguistic society of America that is pretty influential in linguistic spheres. And there's a guy, Steven Pinker, who is a cognitive scientist at Harvard and cognitive science, cognitive science and linguistics are sort of like best friends so this guy pinker who if you even search linguistics on youtube if you scroll like for three seconds you're gonna see a video of this guy steven pinker and he's sort of like a front-facing linguist like a lot of linguists are not really in the spotlight and the spotlight that you can get as a linguist isn't always that bright but between him and like another guy like john mcwarder and 
you know, some other people, right? The spotlight, they get close to, like, the mainstream media spotlight, right? But the problem with Steven Pinker is that he's, um, how do I put this? Like, racist. <laughs> um, and has, like, dabbled in, like, this, like, race science, this, like, race pseudoscience, and he gets things wrong um, a not insignificant amount of time. Same thing with, like, John McWhorter, another linguist. Um, he says things sometimes that makes linguists sort of, like, bite their thumb. But when it comes to that, people in the linguistic society were like, hey, this dude Pinker, this dude Steven Pinker, being kind of racist sometimes, and we don't want him to be classified as a media professional or media expert or whatever, on the Linguistic Society of America profile, right? We don't want them listed there. Mind you, being a member of the Linguistic Society of America does not make you money. It's not a job, really. Um, so when you do that, it's not like you're hurting someone financially, but a bunch of, like, a lot of linguists, right? This sort of open letter, professional, cordial, saying, yo, Pinker, we're not rocking with him. Let's find something else to do here, right? And Steven Pinker, who is, you know, active on social media and stuff, was like, oh, no, cancel culture is coming for me. Oh, and he was sort of posturing it as sort of this, like, far-left movement. Although I think cancel culture and, like, a broad way of speaking is not far-left or far-right. It's sort of whoever is mad at a specific person and whoever decides to cancel who it doesn't really matter your political affiliation as long as you're sort of upset and offended um but he was like oh cancel culture is coming for me blah 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 cancel culture and academia is like ruining society like people are sort of going really far with this i know jk rowling or jk rowling with the cancel brigade that went towards her and i think was deserved towards jk rowling for the the turfiness that she's done and i've done a podcast with a lot of jk rowling content but when we're when we're doing that and we're sort of like oh no cancel culture is like the downfall of society i don't think that that's the case and i think today barry vice um who was with the new york times resigned over cancel culture and I know she had like a resignation letter public. Barry Weiss did, but I didn't read it because um, I just I just didn't read it. Um, but a lot of it is sort of posturing this sort of cancel culture as like very destructive. And I think that cancel culture can be destructive. And I think that someone in academia like Pinker or someone like J.K. Rowling, right, who has had success with their intellect, right? Like their brains are what's got them money, right? This sort of intellectual contribution to the world, right? And now people are saying like, hey, right, we think we're smarter than you on a couple of these things, or we know something that you are doing incorrectly on a couple of those things. And maybe if you've spent so much of your life, like relying on your brain and being smart to do something, when people sort of intellectually get on your level and a lot of people say like look this is not right and this is from something that's coming from your brain not necessarily like a mistake or something but like your scholarship or your work or something then maybe you get a little bit more defensive right but this sort of like lofty academic 
reaction to cancel culture, which if you were an academic, you can like legitimately study cancel culture at this point, right? And you can find the ins and outs of all that. I haven't done an in-depth review of cancel culture in that way, right? I just see what I see and I make my observations accordingly, right? But if you are canceled, particularly as like an academic, right? The, it's probably like the easiest thing in the world to bounce back from because if you're an academic, if you're one of these intellectual guys, right? All you have to do is read and educate yourself. That's what you've been doing your whole adult life, right? If you don't want to be canceled, right? You have to put in the work. Or if you're canceled and you want to, you know, come back, you're going to have to put in the work. Although, Once a cancellation happens, like, and I mean like a serious cancellation, not something on a small scale, right? There's always going to be people that do not forgive you, right? Like this, like Shane Dawson, um, I forget who else has been canceled. There's other people, but sometimes there's just so many cancellations that you, you can't really keep track. But Shane Dawson, right? If people forgive him, there's going to be even like an equal amount or more that don't forgive him, right? That don't accept his apology, no matter how hard Shane Dawson tries to be a good person. And there's always going to be people who think that he's disingenuous or still the same guy, or even if he's not the same guy, what he did was so bad that you never have to acknowledge him again, right? That's going to happen. And if you're canceled, I think you're going to have to accept that. But... When it comes to the cancellation, if you want to not be canceled, you know, you put in the work, the education is a part of it, then it's the actions are another part of it. How do you interact with the the offended party? How do you interact with people who maybe don't know that you've been canceled? How are you working to make things right, right? It's like apologizing for your mistakes, but on a little bit of a bigger level, like a more grown-up level because you have to own your actions and continue to educate yourself, particularly since cancel culture and cancellation usually happens on social matters like race or, you know, homophobia or things like that, right? So since cancel culture is sort of pointed to, like, these social mess-ups, right, or like these racial or you know, sexuality-based offenses, right? Since that happened, and people claim, as, you know, humans, we see that as sort of a high degree of offense, right? It's not like accidentally insulting someone and saying sorry, right? This is like doing something that offends a whole party of people. That's where the the education comes in because maybe you're just not on the up and up about what these people what the party of people is about, what is offensive in the history of the offensive thing that you did, right? You're not always going to be on the up and up about these things. So, sometimes you are and you should definitely know better. And part of the cancellation process is you should definitely know better. But when it comes to like this like reaction to academia right the education part like that's your bag right you can educate yourself and then the action part comes next but you already have a head start like these celebrities that get canceled right they they're not as as equally equipped to just go in and read up and study you are 
right? But it seems like there's an unwillingness there. And then rather than like learning and apologizing in a way that might be more acceptable, they're sort of intellectualizing it in a way that like these people are weird and I'm not weird and I'm going to explain why these people are so weird, right? And it's part of a larger thing in academia that we don't have to get into fully, but it's like when people study like different religions or different cultures or something, but they sort of distance themselves from that culture and it comes off being a little bit intolerant or racist or phobic of some time, right? Sometimes it happens in academia and it's not everyone who studies religion, culture, or people. Or all that. I'm not trying to say that. But sometimes it's like these academics posture themselves as like, look at these weird people over here. I'm looking at these from my smart Western lens. And that's, that's off-putting sometimes. But when it comes to that, right, I feel like it's the same way with these academics. Just trying to say like, yo, lo- let's study these weird people trying to cancel me. Rather than trying to understand why I'm being canceled in the first place. Also, cancel culture oftentimes doesn't really affect you monetarily or even career-wise, more so for celebrities, right? But cancel culture a lot of times isn't even that bad, so maybe you just need to relax. But we'll see what happens. But it's just interesting to see how this cancel culture thing is evolving and how people are reacting to it. Because I always say, like, we can cancel people, that's fine. But we might, we just need to be, like, intentional and thoughtful with the cancellations. Um, and with that, um, I talked a lot longer than I thought. I was not sure if I was going to get 30 minutes or if I was going to have to start over. But we are first take Drake around here. And I'm going to leave it at that, right? Thoughtfully cancel people, okay? And thank you for listening, watching, paying attention. I will see you next time. Remember, Black Lives Still Matter because Black Lives Mattering is just a normal state of being, right? So while the protests are still going on and the petitions are still going on, and you should definitely do all you can for all the causes, just know Black Lives Still Matter and us mattering, because I am black, if you didn't know by now, um, us mattering should be normal. Okay, now that I've said that, I'll be get out of here. Um, be safe, please. Thanks. Love you.